Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room podcast. Migraine in the workplace is a huge issue. People living with migraine find that many of their colleagues or employers do not understand that this is a real medical condition. Is it not just a headache? Absolutely not. And the workplace can be full of triggers for someone who suffers from migraines, severely affecting their ability to work. So today we're taking a closer look at the issue of migraine in the workplace with Linda Crosby, Regional Development Officer at Migraine Ireland. Thanks for joining us, Linda. How are you? I'm very well and Owen and Mary, very, thank you very much for the invitation to join you today. Brilliant stuff. Looking forward to it. And as always, we're joined by our very own Mary Cullen, Founder and Managing Director here at Inside HR. How are you, Mary? I'm great, thanks, Owen. And you can add to that title, Migraine Sufferer, as well. So uh, I'm really interested about today's topic because it absolutely is a feature of my life, too. Absolutely. That makes two of us. I used to suffer from them very badly back in the day, but thankfully not anymore. Yeah, let's jump into it. So I suppose, Linda, can you give us a bit of context, kind of set the scene? Linda, how prevalent is this in Irish workplaces? What exactly is migraine? How many people suffer from it? Thanks, Owen. What I might do is start off by explaining what migraine is, and then I'll talk about it in the context of the workplace. So I suppose many people would think that migraine is just a headache. And keeping that in mind, people might think, should just take two paracetamol and you'll be grand. But unfortunately, it's not as simple as that. Migraine itself is actually a complex neurological condition. Unfortunately, the exact cause of migraine isn't known. Lots of research has gone on for about it and, and within it, but the cause of it isn't known. In Ireland, it's estimated that there's about 600,000 people that live with migraine in Ireland. You may know some people, some of your listeners here might know some people with migraine, but migraine by its nature is actually an invisible disease. And for some people, it can last their lifetime. They mightn't be as lucky as you, own where it disappears with age. Some people continue it with age. It's not life-limiting, so it's not a terminal diagnosis if you have migraine. The World Health Organization would describe it as the seventh most disabling disease worldwide and the first for under 50s. And that's important to think about in the context of the workplace. For many people, their migraine could begin somewhere in their teens and last up into their mid-50s, although we have some migrainers with us that we know that are 80 and 90 years old that still suffer with migraine. But in the context of the years suffered, it's really in the most a person's most productive years. That could be when they're finishing education or in education and moving on into the workplace. Believe it or not, the disease is three times more common in women than it is in men. In terms of its prevalence in the workplace, so it's believed that in any given population, there's somewhere between 12 and 15% of people with migraine. And I, I suppose to put it in context, say you work in an organization with, say, a thousand people, there'll be somewhere between 120 and 150 of your colleagues that will have migraine. 
And to put some added numbers onto that, migraine is responsible for the loss of over half a million working days each year in Ireland. The number in the UK, our neighbours next door, is actually 25 million days that are lost. In Ireland, on any given day, there's like 13,000 migraine attacks. And to put an image on that, if any of you have been to the Three Arena, the Three Arena holds 13,000 people. In the UK, this number is thought to be about 200,000. I mentioned earlier that migraine is most productive when people are in the workplace. And the costs of this to the Irish economy are estimated at over 250 million. Now, that's from a study that a big pharmaceutical company did quite a few years ago. So that number now would probably be much higher. Your average migrainer would take about two sick days per year and loses probably another four or five in reduced productivity. That is when they're supposed to be working, but actually they have an out of order sign on them, meaning they can't perform their normal duties. For those with really severe migraine, and there are people that have chronic migraine, largely they wouldn't be able to work. And the unemployment rate for that cohort is four times higher than your average rate. You know, what, what we hear and what we see and what we say is that people with migraine are often hiding in plain sight at work. The fact that migraine is an invisible illness, most employers or indeed colleagues will have no idea when their colleague or their employee is in pain. And in fact, employees with migraine, they're often conditioned to hide their attacks out of fear of criticism or discrimination or demotion or lost opportunity. So migraine in the workplace can be complex. Absolutely. And I think even as somebody who, who kind of suffered from migraines, and I, I knew a bit about it, but from what you're saying there, a whole lot of detail and definitely a really, really complex issue for for employers, employees, sufferers, that kind of thing. So again, Mary, I suppose kind of building on Linda's last point. So I know obviously we were previous sufferers of migraines, so our perception is a little bit biased, if, if that's the right word for it. But I think, Mary, I suppose generally, is there kind of much knowledge or understanding out there from kind of an employer perspective? I know Linda has kind of alluded to it there, but is it something that crops up as an issue very often? Is it is it, is it something that's in the mind of employers, do you think? Um, well, unfortunately, I'm not a previous migraine sufferer. I'm a current oh, migraine sufferer. So let, let's just be clear about that. And I would say there really isn't that much knowledge there. So let's take, for example, um, the fact that that you and I have both suffered from migraine headaches. I'm in HR, you're in communications. And I wouldn't have seen it as an issue for the workplace, other than people would say that they're absent sporadically for headaches or migraine or related illnesses, if that makes sense. And, you know, if the people who suffer from it don't realise what the impact might be on the workplace, well, then there's probably not that much awareness really in real terms out there. And as a HR practitioner and now as a consultant, you know, we always are dealing with absence um, and looking at how to control absence and to manage absence and productivity as well. And certainly as somebody who has had a lifelong migraine issue, I know myself when I get a migraine, I cannot perform. I simply can't because I become debilitated slowly 
over the course of a few hours. But ultimately, I may need to lie down in a dark room and be by myself in total silence to actually manage the pain that's associated with it. So, you know, it's a very real thing. But what do employers do about it is is the question. And if they're not aware of it in the first place, there's not much that can be done about it or not much to to be done to support people in the workplace either. 100%. You've raised a couple of important points there, Mary, I suppose, around kind of absence of productivity and that kind of stuff. So we'll come back to that actually in a moment. But I suppose, Linda, just talking about the kind of the effects and debilitating effects of migraine and that kind of stuff. So again, as I said, we know what they are, but just to give, I suppose, listeners more detail. If a migraine is kind of so debilitating, can those who get migraine typically work? Like as Mary's case there, one of the typical ones, or can this really, I suppose, even in a greater context, can this also affect somebody's career if they're kind of suffering from this all the time? Yeah, great question, Owen. Mary alluded to the disabling effects of migraine. In fact, not a lot of people know. They think it's just a headache, but it can be a whole lot more. And if I can describe some of those, how does uh, debilitating it can be for someone, it might help as I talk about how it affects people in their workday and in their careers, you, you, you'll get a better sense of it. So a lot of people think that migraine is a headache. And for many, many people, they will have headache with it. But what you may not know that they also have is that the headache is typically on one side that's made worse by movement. Couples with the headache, if they get headache, is re- can be moderate to extreme nausea, vomiting and stomachache. A lot of people get dizziness and vertigo with their migraine. Many people will get these heightened sensitivities to certain things, for example, to light, to sound, to smell and to touch. For a small group of people, they'll get temporary visual disturbances or blind spots. You might People who get migraine will, will know this. It's referred to aura. For another cohort of people, they'll get pins and needles and numbness in their legs or their arms or extremities. And for quite the number of people with migraine, they get brain fog. To answer your question, can people with all of these symptoms, can they work? The answer is yes, of course, they can work. And what they do, employees with migraine, what we have found is that actually they're very resilient workers. They're hardworking, they're creative, they're flexible, all because they're living with and experiencing a very unpredictable disease. So because of this disease, they have other advantages whilst they're living with the symptoms and the disabling conditions that they can have while they're going through a migraine attack. You asked earlier, can it affect their workday? Yes, it can, because when they have a migraine attack, what they may need to do, and Mary mentioned it is there, is they might need to take a short break could be for 20 minutes or it could be for two hours where they get away from their desk or away from the work floor or shop floor and they retreat into a dark, quiet room. Hopefully take medication if medication works for them and allow the medication for work, to work. And after hopefully a short period of time, they'll be able to return to whatever it was that they were doing. They may not be functioning at 100%, but they'll be able to function. For others where they might have, for no particular reason, a severe migraine attack, Mary mentioned it there, they might just have to leave their workplace and go to bed and be in bed for a while. And what often those same people do is that they, you know, as the hard part or the difficult part of their migraine attack has passed, 
they get up in the evening time, they do the work that they missed out during the day, they get up early the following morning and they finish off whatever it is that they have been doing. You asked also, does it have an effect on their career? Unfortunately, it can have. And you might wonder, actually, what can affect, what effect does it have? So for some people, we know that it would have an effect on their career advancement. You know, they might apply for and be interviewed for particular jobs, but maybe they're not selected. And maybe the fact that they have migraine and absences might make them the second best candidate as opposed to the chosen candidate. Because their career may not advance, it would have a long term effect, I guess, on their earnings. It might also have a, uh, an effect on their career choices and not mean that, for example, they would have to work part time as opposed to full time. They may also decide that they can't go for that sales manager role, which involves traveling to the US or Asia, where there's massive time differences because time and sleep can be an influencing factor on, on your migraine. It, of course, can have uh, an impact on their ability to form their role. It can impact their confidence and it can unfortunately impact on their sick leave record. So people can, with migraine can absolutely work, but does it have consequences? It can affect and have effect on, the, on their career. Mm -hmm. 100%. And just the last thing you mentioned there, actually, in there and the kind of your sick record and that kind of stuff, I suppose my question to yourself, Mary, on kind of the more policy, HR, employment, law kind of stuff. Does Linda kind of alluded to there, Mary, it does probably fall under something like short-term absences within company policies and that kind of stuff. But again, it's a little bit more complex. It could be, I've had migraines for a couple of hours. I've had migraines for a work day, let's say. So I suppose, do policies tend to cover something like this? Does, is there protections there? Does it get a little bit complicated if it becomes a frequent kind of short-term absence, Mary? I know it's a bit of a tricky question, but just your thoughts on that. Most policies are going to have a situation where they cover short-term absences because every HR person, every organization out there knows that people can get a bug or, uh, you know, a headache or some form of short-term illness. Where it becomes a problem really for people is the frequency with which they're out. And I know certainly there have been periods of my own life where I've had more migraine headaches than others, you know, and, and they may be periods when, you know, the stress levels are higher, sleep is in shorter supply, or, you know, I'm, I'm not fully living my normal healthy life you know over the years I'm lucky enough my mother was a, a nurse and as a child I first developed migraines under 12 and she would have very much you know gone through food diaries and and identified triggers for me and as it happens as a child that was when I went to birthday parties I always had migraine afterwards and sugar was certainly a factor for me and probably the excitement and missed lunch or you know things like that and she managed to identify that and because she identified it I was able to I suppose go forward in life as a teenager and as an adult managing my migraines better maybe than some people would. Um, that being said, we didn't really have a lot of knowledge about what it actually was. And in the workplace, trying to work uh, when you have a migraine headache is very, very difficult. Uh, and I'm a real workhorse. So pushing myself through often 
but experiencing brain fog and sometimes it just being impossible. So from a HR perspective and the management perspective, you know, it's a very real issue. People get sick and they may have frequent absences associated with something like migraine headaches. And after a period of time in most policies, you will see that the employer has the right to send you for a medical assessment if there's ongoing frequent absences and maybe if they hit a certain uh, period of time out of work, even if it's not uh, ongoing or on an ongoing basis. So it can affect, it can affect somebody's role. It can affect management view of somebody in terms of the frequency of their absences. Um, and certainly in some workplaces, you know, lighting, um, heat, things like that, you know, maybe factors in, in triggering headaches for someone, long working hours, no breaks, those kind of things. So there's, I guess, a shared responsibility for ensuring that people come into the workplace and are healthy and well and able to raise their hand if they have a problem um, that might affect their work in some way or other. 100%. That kind of builds on the topic we actually spoke about recently on a recent podcast with Karen Killalee from Able to Group About Sickness in the Workplace. So if people want to learn a bit more about the, I suppose, kind of policy side of things, I'd urge you to, to listen back to that as well. Um, I suppose then the one thing I, I was really excited to talk about in particular when it comes to migraine in the workplace, I say excited, but interested, I suppose, is a bit triggers. So I know when I used to get migraines pretty badly, then there obviously there's a bit of kind of nutritional side to it, but a lot of it was when I was a teenager playing PlayStation in a dark room for four hours, you know, that kind of way. But you were looking at a screen for longer than needed with bad lighting. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this podcast, maybe working from their desk, either in the office or at home, and are probably looking at the screen for ages with not great lighting. So I suppose, Linda, can you talk to us about how likely there are to kind of be triggers in the workplace and maybe in that kind of remote working context as well, in work, out of work, that kind of stuff? Sure, of course, and we'll do. Mary's touched on some of the triggers there. What I will say is that everybody's triggers are different. So triggers aren't the cause of migraine, but they can be implicated in about 40% of attacks. And funnily enough, people will often spend ages looking for food-related triggers, but food-related triggers, they're only estimated to be implicated in about 20% of attacks. So people, migrainers, get very frustrated not been able to find their trigger and 60% of people don't know what their triggers are and triggers can be a variety of things for different people um, and to give you a sense of what some of them are Mary and yourself have mentioned them and um, stress one of the biggest triggers for women hormones and, and maybe as a teenager hormones apply to both boys and girls and um, skipping meals dehydration not drinking enough water the weather can be problematic for migrainers. Uh, you might remember a couple of weeks ago, there was massive thunderstorms across half the country. We know from the conversations that we had with migrainers that actually the thunderstorms and the change in barometric pressure were triggers for some of them. Sleep, exercise, too much exercise can be a trigger, believe it or not. Some foods, alcohol, some smells and lighting. So it's very different and very, very individual. And as I said, not everyone knows what their triggers are. The advantage of knowing your triggers is that they can be controlled if they're controllable. So for example, 
making sure you don't skip meals and drinking enough water and maybe avoiding stress if stress can be is one of your triggers can be controlled within reason weather can't be controlled so it's about knowing if you know your triggers what you can control and that which you can't control in terms of the workplace i suppose those some of those triggers that i mentioned can be applied to a workplace be it on site or remote you mentioned screens screens and spending too much time on screens don't help migrainers they're not necessarily the cause of migraine but you know we would advocate that every 20 minutes that you look for 20 seconds at something 20 feet away so it's called the 20 20 20 rule it's very hard to do that obviously getting up walking around if you're sitting at a desk is really really advantageous your posture is important um, and that's pr- your posture i suppose while you're working if you're sitting at a desk it could be while you're watching tv at night no slouching in your couch or if you're playing your playstation as you might have been years ago is you know i see my 15 year old playing on his playstation and he's slouched back with the controls hunched up with his shoulders also don't help so ergonomics in the workplace and how what your seat and what your desk is like if you are desk-based understanding your lighting fluorescent lighting can be a huge trigger for many many people and we've spoken to people over the course of you know many years whereby they would say if only i could get the fluorescent light above me switched off if fluorescent lighting affects you so badly that you can't work you know maybe you do have to have a conversation with facilities to see if there's ways to reduce the fluorescent light the, the, the intensity coming out of or what often workplaces do is knock off the fluorescent light that is immediately above the worker and put in, instead a desk lamp that they can control themselves one of the things that we find and mary mentioned it there is that using a diary or an app to track your triggers and your symptoms can be really really helpful the migraine association has a diary a printed diary that we are more than happy to send out to people but there's also some app-based diaries that can be very useful. Migraine Buddy and N1 Headache App are two that come to mind. We do sometimes say to people, try and understand if you have triggers and to document them so that a pattern may emerge. Sometimes they don't emerge. And I would always tell people, don't beat yourself up if you can't find your trigger. But be cognizant that there could be triggers in your workplace and indeed triggers at home that could impact your, your migraine and influence your migraine. Absolutely. And I suppose Mary Linda's talked about a lot of different triggers there. And again, they can be very individual. There is some commonalities, that kind of stuff. And it is obviously look a very prevalent problem. I think the figure you said, Linda, was 600,000 people across Ireland. So obviously it, it, it is an issue or whatever. I suppose, Mary, it obviously then warrants action from employers in a way, doesn't it? Like I suppose Linda alluded to it there, things like your lighting, your facilities, your noises. I know I know there's a lot of uh, office buildings all around Ireland that still have those fluorescent lights, and I'm sure it's not just migraines sufferers that hate those. So there's probably things that they could do in that regard. But there's also, I suppose, Mary, an element about just having the conversation with your employees as well, really trying to open up the, the channel for that. We are in an era of focus on employee health and well-being, and and I suppose taking a more personalised approach to individuals in the workplace were looking more at integrating work and life and you know topics like the menopause and baby loss and and all of these things are being brought to the fore in the last couple of years um, and likewise 
conditions that affect a large number of people like migraine. It happens to be one I'm particularly interested in, but for obvious reasons, um, I get them and I get them fairly frequently enough that it has an impact on my life. Have I been able to do my job? Yes. Will I continue to be able to do my job? Absolutely. But does it knock me flat on occasion? Absolutely. I would have loved if somebody cared when I was in house 20 years ago that there or, you know, going into a meeting with a, a blinding headache and trying to do my best in that room would have been a challenge for me years ago. And there there weren't a lot of opportunities to put my hand up and say that there there was a problem. And so I, I always welcome an approach that's individualistic in the workplace. How can you help people who might be suffering from migraine in the workplace. You can help them by raising awareness through talks. Linda, I'm sure your organisation come into organisations and and raise awareness. Uh, I think that's always helpful and useful. But you can also factor it into your thinking around your health and wellbeing policies. If you're redesigning office spaces, which so many organisations are now, in light of new workplace models, you might want to think about the kind of lighting that you're using, the kind of spaces that you're creating, the possibility of of dimmable lighting and, and comfortable spaces where people can go if they need time out. Now, look, from a HR perspective, do you want people missing for two hours a day uh, without you knowing why? Because they say they have a headache. Uh, maybe not. But you might want to factor it in if somebody has a condition that's verifiable, that you know uh, that somebody suffers from um, and that you're confident that that it's not the sick leave policy is not being abused or the flexibility that you offer people are not being abused. And that's always the fear, isn't it, from a management perspective, that somebody takes time out for something that's not genuine. But again, I think we have other processes that we can use to deal with those kind of issues rather than penalise all because you're afraid of what a few might do. 100%. So so kind of final word to yourself, Linda. I know Mary's kind of alluded to a lot of things that employers can do there, but anything from your perspective, practical or otherwise, that employers can do to help help this, I suppose, issue? Some of our insights were drawn from a survey that we conducted over the summer of 2021. Uh, where we put out a simple survey through our various different social media channels and we asked people about how how migraine affects them in their place of work. So obviously the 400 respondents that responded are migrainers. Some interesting statistics from that, I I suppose, what we were hardened to hear is that 84% of the respondents had actually spoken about migraine in the workplace. So we don't know whether that was just with colleagues or with line managers, but it had been spoken about. So that that was good to hear. A similar percentage, 82%, did say that their condition had had a direct impact on their professional life. We know that, and I've alluded to that earlier. When we asked a question about what the workplace could do, and the top three answers were increased awareness and understanding, flexibility in working hours, And the third one was the change in work environment. Interestingly, the Harvard Business Review also did, they did a a literature review 
back in February 2021. Now, I don't think we knew about this particular article when we were doing our survey, although the outcomes are broadly similar, funnily enough. The Harvard Business Review would have spoken about the, you know, three things that organisations could do with regard to migraine in the workplace. Again, raising awareness was first and foremost through education programmes. And then uh, second to was providing employees with some tools for migraine management. And the third proposition from the Harvard Business Review article was around making changes to the work environment. In terms of the Migrant Association, I suppose what, what we did back in October 2021 is that we put in place a dedicated resource, me, to focus on workplaces. And what we have been doing over the last year is delivering awareness seminars to organisations all around the country. Uh, most of them we do virtually, but some of them we have done in-house where, where we go in. Another element that we're doing is we've partnered with an organisation called IHS GPAC. That stands for International Headache Society Global Patient Advocacy Coalition. And what they've done is that they've developed a migraine fitness at work. It's a video-based educational programme which aims to reduce migraine stigma and create more accessible workplaces. That's something that we'll be rolling out into 2023. But into, I suppose, more practical suggestions in terms of workplaces, you'll often hear the term accommodations in the workplace. And what we sense is that a lot of employers will think that these accommodations can be very, very expensive. And the truth is that they tend not to be, particularly as it relates to migraine. To give you a flavour of what some of these could be, so we know from the calls that we get to the Migraine Association that there's a variety of triggers, but some of them that happen in the workplace. You know, I spoke to one girl a few weeks back and she's particularly triggered by scents and scents being uh, colognes or perfumes or cleaning products. And you might remember when we all returned to the workplace as COVID was rife, there were chemicals and detergents and all these sort of things used left, right and centre to clean workplaces every, with every inch of its life. But this particular lady, what she did in her place of work in her sort of small open plan office, perfumes and colognes is something really triggering for her. So what she proposed, which was accepted by the workplace, is that there would be it would just be a scent free office. And that's what she managed. For other people, it could be around sound protection. So if you can imagine somebody again, sitting in an open plan office, but they might be near the canteen where there could be smells or they could be near a photocopier or somewhere where it's just a busy place. And maybe that person gets migraines and the sound triggers their migraine. A conversation, if the person is willing to have that with their employer, could be, and the accommodation is simply move that person to another corner of the office where there's less traffic, there's no photocopier noise. Ideally, maybe there's natural light coming in from somewhere with good ventilation. So again, another simple uh, accommodation. We spoke about light earlier and there's different solutions or accommodations for, for both light and indeed screens. There are screen protectors, there are glasses that people can get. So accommodations, in essence, don't have to be that expensive. But what they are and should be is individual to the person that has migraine because they'll all be different. So I'd encourage employees to have conversations with HR or wellbeing or whoever it might be to open up the dialogue. If you are suffering in work because of your migraine, open up about it. Only when people know how your workplace is affecting you can they do something about it. So we always, through our talks and our awareness, 
we encourage open dialogue because that's the only way your employer can actually help you. Yeah, and absolutely. I think I'd fully agree, Linda, in the sense that knowledge is power. And I suppose anything that people can do to help will benefit the software. And look, by the sounds of it, there's a lot of things that employers can do to help. So that's fantastic. So thank you, Mary, for a very insightful discussion. As I said, a very interesting topic and something that's close to, I think, all of our hearts and our heads. Upon. So thank you to everyone for listening and we'll catch you next week for the next installment of our podcast. So don't forget to subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels. Make sure to check the show notes for useful resources related to today's topic. And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today at insighthr.ie. Thank you, Mary, and thank you, Linda. Thank you, Owen, and thank you, Linda. Thanks both. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room Podcast. The podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember... If you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.